come on, make some, make some noise. That you clapping is your expression of love towards me, so thank you. I appreciate it. Actually, sorry, let me rephrase that. It's really an expression of love towards God, but I appreciate you clapping. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor up at our Lake Norman campus, so thank you for making me feel welcome down here at South Campus. Good to see everybody. Um, I am part of also our teaching team, so if you're new to Freedom House, we have a teaching team, so we have live communicators at every campus. And before we get into the message today, I just want to take a, a minute to honor some people. Uh, our senior pastors who do a lot of things and have been leading this charge for this church. I've been here uh, for about 21 years now, and I've gotten to see them just lead. I appreciate the way they lead. I appreciate the way they stretch us. So let's give them a hand clap and just thank them. And then I also want to give it up for your campus pastors, pastors Matt and Diana. Uh, Pastor Diana got me all excited up here about two things, that generosity and her passion that she shared, and then those boots. I could go fly fishing in them boots, Pastor Diana. We'll talk afterwards. I'll spray paint some camo on them, and we'll get out in the water and catch some fish. Uh, well, hey, I'm glad to be here with you today. If you'll do something for me, I want you to put your hand in your chest, and I want you to repeat this as loud as you can after me. Say, God, you're here, God, you're here. and I showed up. What you got for me? All right, we're going to get into this series, Dark Versus Light. Y'all been enjoying this series so far, so far third weekend in? It's always weird when there's a month that has five Sundays in it because I get kind of lost. I feel like we're way further ahead, but we still got two more Sundays in this month, so I'm excited about that. As I get into the message today, Dark Versus Light, since I'm starting in the beginning, why don't we go to the beginning and read what Genesis has to say? So I'm going to read in Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness, everybody shout darkness, was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Everybody shout light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Can you think of things in your life? that you keep separate from one another. Uh, so a lot of us, hopefully, we wash our clothes. Uh, and my mama taught me when I was young. I was probably one of the only freshmen in my dorm at NC State in a dorm full of guys that maybe knew how to separate clothes. Thank you, mama. But she taught me to separate those colors from the whites. You don't want to throw a red shirt in with your whites and end up with a bunch of pink. Just doesn't really work out that well. Anybody made that mistake before? Okay, mostly guys. I saw one girl. Thank you for being honest back there. See, some of us live in stereotypes, but there's always non-stereotypical things that happen. Uh, when we fold those clothes, a lot of times we have separate drawers in our dresser or wherever we put those in separate spots. I know for us at our house, our towels are stacked in one stack, washcloths in another. We separate all that stuff. A lot of things in life that we just separate. But I want to go to one area and tell you about something that I like to keep, keep separate. Now, in my house, breakfast is key. It is a key component to our day. How many of y'all breakfast is, is it? And we do breakfast. We're not like grabbing a bar to go. We do like for real, for real breakfast. About as fake as we get for breakfast is we make oatmeal. That's about as low key as it gets. Otherwise, it's eggs, bacon. But we also like to do homemade waffles and pancakes. So not a box. We don't scratch the box. We actually make it from scratch, and it is delicious. But whenever we make it, 
We typically always have bacon. When you have waffles or pancakes, especially pancakes, you got to have some bacon. So typically, we'll have bacon with it. Well, what I disdain is I do not put my bacon on the same plate as my pancakes because I do not like my, my bacon to touch the syrup. All right? I don't like that. I'll keep it on a napkin to the side. There's very rare occasions, I mean rare, where I will just eat my bacon first so it doesn't have to go on the plate. That's rare because I always like my favorite thing to be the last thing I eat. Anybody else like that? And we all know bacon. It, matter of fact, in this analogy of breakfast, if God were looking at these two things, the thing he would call good would be the bacon in this analogy. But I don't like them to touch. I don't like my, my savory and my sweet to be mixed together. How many here, you like that? You like your bacon and your syrup? Okay. Well, let me encourage you. God's word is clear. To be like him, we keep things separate. Okay? So if you don't get anything else, you go home and change your life and align yourself with God. I love what God does here. God creates the light. And he understands that there's a distinction between the two. So much so that he says these two have to be separated. And the only one he calls good is the light. So what that tells me just beyond daylight outside or dark outside is that this was really the beginning of God spiritually injecting a truth into our lives. He was letting us know that as we walk through life, we're either going to have a chance to choose light which is good, or to choose the darkness. When that person is driving slow in the fast lane, we're going to have a choice to choose light or dark. When we get cut off in traffic, light or dark. When you're in a rush and you, you find yourself in the grocery store and there's a long line at every register, we have a choice of light or dark. When that person says something to us, our response, we have a choice of light or dark. What we're about to post on social media, or better yet, comment on social media, because that's where it gets real dicey, we have a choice of light or dark. And God is setting that out straight out the gate. He created light and said those two have to be separate, but the light is actually good. There's a lot of scriptures that begin to talk about this spiritual delineation between light and dark, how they apply to God. And I want to read one that talks about how it applies to God and how it applies to us if we have a relationship with God. It says this in 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 5 through 7. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, then we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I love that last part because that last part actually explains to us how we get life injected, how we get light injected into our lives if we desire it. That we can walk around and go throughout our whole life and not have any injection of God's light, or we can choose to have that light injected into us and to have access to that light. He tells us the way that we have access is through his son, Jesus. That when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that is what gives us the opportunity for us to have light in our lives. Matter of fact, Jesus himself said in John chapter 8, 
He said, I'm the light of the world, and anyone who chooses to follow me no longer walks in darkness, but actually walks in the light of life. Now, not only does he unpack how we have access to the light of life in this verse, but the other thing that I want to focus on today that he tells us about walking in the light and not walking in darkness actually deals with relationship. The beginning of that verse 7 said, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So I want to talk to you about this idea of what does dark and light, light look like for us when it comes to relationships, when it comes to everything going on around us. And I believe there are two main agendas that dark and light have when it comes to our lives relationally. I believe that the dark keeps us bound to ourselves while the light calls us beyond ourselves. The dark says, I want you to stay so focused on you, I want to bind you there and keep you there. The light says, you know what, I want to get you beyond yourself and your world. You ever walked into a dark room, like pitch black dark, and you tried to walk in the dark in your house and you think, Oh, I hope I don't run into something. I hope I don't hit this. Oh, where's the light? I hope I can find the light. I hope I can see. I hope something doesn't jump out on me. I hope I don't trip over something. What do little kids do when they're scared of the dark? They say, I'm afraid something's going to get me. Something's going to get out of my closet and get me. And if you've ever seen the movie, this is for all the old school people. If you've ever seen the movie Major Pain, you know what to do if something's in the closet. You take your pistol out, you shoot five holes in the door. I, I like to hunt, and when I'm out in the woods, I'll get out there before daylight hits, and when it's dark and beginning to change to where the light is slowly coming up, it's amazing how you can look out at something and go, oh my gosh, is that a coyote over there? What is that? I have no idea what that is. And your mind starts playing tricks on you. You see these things, and when the light hits, you're like, oh, that's just a skunk. I've lost my mind. You see, the darkness keeps us focused on me, me, me. I can't see that. I don't know where that is. But when the light comes on, we begin to see everything around us, and it illuminates everything outside of our individual scope. The darkness wants me to stay focused right here. Not just to have a, a fleeting thought about me, but to actually stay so wrapped up in me that I never look beyond myself. About a week and a half ago, I'd come off about a two-week stint of life just being crazy busy. And it wasn't anything new. I know probably all of you have had at least one time in your life where things have just been crazy busy. And when people would ask me, hey, how are things going? The explanation I would make and kind of the picture I would give them is I said, well, lately I've felt like a pinball. You ever felt like a pinball? It's like ding, 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 going over here and there. Our kids are at an age where our oldest has his license, uh, and so we're trying to figure out who's got what car when and who's going to take and drop off and go in there. Like, as a parent now with kids that I have to run around, I have way more appreciation for my mom and dad taking me to all the sports and stuff I was involved in. I had no idea how it was, but that's how life has been. There's stuff going on good in family life. There's stuff going on with work, just here, there, and everywhere. And bounce, 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 this, that. And it's also hunting season. And I haven't been able to get out hunting yet. And so these two weeks of being bounced around like a pinball, I begin to feel like, well, you know what? I need, like, some of my own time. 
And I started moving into this little thing that maybe you're familiar with called a little pity party, like a little self-pity party. Like, I deserve to have some moments by myself. And Jalea and I are working on something together. And one night, I was tired of, you know, pinball and doing all that. And she wanted to spend some time and energy that I didn't feel like I had. She wanted to spend some energy on this thing that we're working on together. And when she confronted me about it and talked about it, I could tell I wasn't really interested in doing that right now. It hurt her. And it had a little bit of sting for me because in my head, here's what I'm thinking. Don't you see everything I've been doing and bouncing around and going here and there? And so finally, we talked about it. And I just expressed to her, I said, hey, here's how I feel. I kind of told her everything I just told y'all. And she listened. It was very valid what I brought to the table. And then she had something valid on her side. Do you know that as crazy as I am bouncing around, do you know that she is bouncing around doing a billion things, probably way more than I'm doing? And she shared her end and her perspective, and we listened to each other, and we had a great conversation. Both had valid things to bring to the equation. But the learning thing for me that I had to take away was that the darkness was causing me to get so wrapped up in Michael and so wrapped up in what I wanted to do that I was forgetting her or anybody else around me because I just wanted to do my thing. I wanted to go get lost in the woods. I wanted to sit down and watch 12 football games if I wanted to. I just wanted to do my thing. The darkness can begin to creep in and crowd us out. Now, here's what I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to leave today going, oh, I guess... You know, if I'm really following God, I should never do anything fun or have any downtime for myself. That's not the case at all. Because this wasn't a moment for me where I was like burning the candle at both ends and exhausted. It was just a moment where life had been busy like it has before, and I just wanted something for me. And we need to have those things for us. It is okay to think about ourselves. The real key when we know if we're in darkness or light is when we begin to get bound to ourselves. That's why I said the darkness wants to bind us to ourselves. It's okay to self-reflect. We should do that. We should look at ourselves. We should take moments for ourselves. But when that becomes so self-focused and self-centered and selfish that it causes us to not look beyond everyone around us, that is when we're in danger of leaning more into the light than we are the dark. I want to read this passage of scripture today that is kind of the main focus of what I want to talk about. Because in thinking about this relationship and how do we not get trapped by the darkness and bound to ourselves and actually go beyond ourselves, I think this passage of scripture gives us a characteristic that we can begin to look at, self-evaluate if we're operating in it, and actually operate in it and move more into the light as it comes to dealing with everything and the people around us. It's Luke chapter 11. It's verses 33 through 36. It says, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Now, the people Jesus is talking to, they get this. They operate with lamps. This is a part of their daily life. So they are with him on this. 34, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. I love this picture that Jesus gives when he starts talking about the eyes. And that 
the eyes are the light or the lamp to the rest of our bodies. And I love the fact that he chose the eyes. And, you know, Jesus didn't do anything. He didn't do things unintentionally. When he was giving metaphorical pictures of stuff, he knew exactly what he was doing. But our eyes are just so important. I mean, think about all the stuff that you look around and see that you take in with your eyes. The eyes are vital. But in the physical, our eyes actually can, actually can reveal to us things that are going on with the rest of our body. How many of y'all struggle with, like, seasonal allergies? You know, the seasons change and you're, you know, well, what typically happens is you have itchy, red, watery eyes. That tells you that something is going on with your body. I used to never have allergies. And then about six years ago, and people used to tell me this, never had allergies till I moved to Charlotte and was in the Charlotte area. And I would occasionally have little bouts with it. But our red, itchy eyes can tell us that there's something not going on right in our body. If you have too much yellow in your eyes, it could be a, a, a descriptor or give you an idea that maybe there's something going wrong with our liver. If you go to an eye doctor and they dilate your eyes and they look at your retina and they look at the veins on there, they can actually get an idea, depending on how the veins look, of whether or not you might be susceptible to having a stroke. So when Jesus says the eyes are the lamp to the body, he is saying that your eyes are going to give you some revelation on what is actually going on in the rest of you and what is operating in your life. And I love what the connotation of this really means when he says when your eyes are healthy, that your body's full of light, or when they're unhealthy. The connotation there actually deals with generous and stingy. So let me read it like this. This is verse 34. When our eyes are generous... Our whole body is full of light. But when our eyes are stingy, our body is full of darkness. What this tells me about God's light is that generosity is a characteristic of living in the light of God. Generosity is a characteristic of living in the light of God. If we want to begin to move to the light and look beyond ourselves and not be held captive by the dark where we look inward, then we have to understand this principle of generosity. Pastor Diana did a beautiful job of talking about generosity and how we can do that financially to help other people. And that is one avenue, a very important avenue of generosity. But I want to broaden our scope on what it looks like to be generous. When we think about generosity, I want us to think about things like the people we live beside, our actual neighbors. Do we know them? Do we do anything for them? Do we ever help them out? Do we get into their life? Have we ever prayed for them because they were going through a hard time? There's one thing I love about where we live, and we've lived there for over 16 years now. I absolutely adore our neighbors. We have the best neighbors. We have a lady who's a widow on one side, a gentleman who's recently a widow on this side, have my neighbor across the street that comes to our Lake Norman campus. And do you know my neighbor across the street, Gene, I don't need an alarm system because if anything goes on our end of the block, Gene will know what's going on and Gene will make sure it gets taken care of. I got, we go out of town and he's like, uh, we'll go out of town. He's like, I'll watch your house. I'm like, okay. And Gene watches it. I mean, there's somebody pulled up one day. He got out of his house, walked over. Hey, who are you? What are you doing here? Now, when Gene goes out of town, he tells us to watch his house. And I'm like, Gene, I am not going to watch your house as good as you watch my house, but we will do our best. My neighbor, Miss Shirley, trying to get the gas turned on and lit up on her kind of little mobile portable gas 
you know, heater, and she called me over, went over there. We've cut each other's grass. We've done all these things, but there's nothing about those generous positive injections when you have great neighbors. Are we giving those positive injections of generosity to the people around us? What about the words we say to each other? Are we encouraging each other? Are we saying, you know, how much we appreciate one another? I was sitting in the office a little over a week ago, and I've tried to get better about this, but I'm not always great. But I have improved a lot. Do you ever have just a friend or somebody's name run through your head? And you're like, man, I don't know why I'm thinking about them. Well, I had that happen with two good friends of mine that I've been friends with for a long time. And instead of just thinking about them, I said, you know what? I'm going to shoot them a text. And I just got out, and I just told them why I appreciate their friendship and how much it means to me. Just a little act of generosity. Do you know at Freedom House Church, if you ask us, hey, what is a win for Freedom House Church? A win for Freedom House Church is actually people serving. And the reason that is is because we know that the minute we begin to go beyond ourselves and be generous and serve in the church that we're a part of, that we call home, and that we're attending, that our engagement will go up and we'll be involved. And actually, little side note, and people that serve here, you know this, serving for me I've had days where I didn't want to serve nobody, and I just do it anyway, and it's amazing that when you're serving someone else, what God can do in here and how he can bring hope to you. So my question for you, South End, if you've been coming to this church for a while, and this is your place and you like it, then why wouldn't we serve? Is that voice of darkness saying, hey, the last place you were at, they just pulled on you and, and ran you in the ground? Is that the you focus that the darkness is speaking? Or... Another thing that darkness can say is, you know what? You work a long week. You have a lot of days. Sunday's your only day where you get to have a reprieve and a rest. You just go to church and you just take and get and get. There's a season for that. And if you're new here, take some time. Just get your feelers. But I encourage you, if this is your place, then why not be generous? Why not move beyond ourselves? Why not begin to serve? My oldest son, Noah, last weekend had a birthday. We were listening to this podcast. And uh, it's a podcast by Andy Minio, and they were talking about this very thing. One specific thing they talked about, about these positive injections of generosity, is they talked about the people in our lives that are most familiar with us and us with them, the people that we have close relationship with. Now, if you're married, that could be your spouse. If you have kids, that could be your kids. You might be thinking about a good friend. You might be thinking about a coworker. You might be thinking about a boss you appreciate, somebody, just whatever. There are people in our lives that we love and we appreciate, but we don't tell them that enough. And they were talking about this on the podcast. They were talking about how when we have those friendships and relationships, we oftentimes think to ourselves, they know how I feel. They know I love them. They know I enjoy time around them. They know, they know. Instead of us going, you know what? I want to make sure they know. I want to let them know that I appreciate what they do. I want to thank them in the little mundane, simple things of life because I want to operate beyond myself and actually be generous. Here's what Proverbs 22, 9 says. It says, he who has a generous eye will be blessed. I love the combination of what we're talking about, what Jesus said, the eye, if it's healthy, then it will uh, allow our whole body to have light. So he who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. You hear that language there? That's the light that is calling us beyond ourselves, that when we do something for someone else, that it shows we have a generous or a healthy or a good eye, and that actually lights up our own 
life. Now, I've given you some practical examples, but what I don't want us to get lost in that the scripture is also saying is I don't want us to get lost in the fact that generosity is just a doing thing, and as long as I do it, I don't have to feel it, doesn't have to come from my heart. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is actually saying it, it's a heart matter to begin with. You see, the words generous and stingy are not really action words about doing. They're actually more about our heart. And when you look back at that scripture and you look at those words that I've mentioned of healthy or unhealthy, some translations say good and bad. When you look at the literal Greek word, it translates into sincere. You ever had somebody you've been around and they smile in your face and they want to do, they want to do something nice for you, but you just know that they're not really sincere about it, that maybe they're just saying that because they want to get something or have their way or do what they want to do. I had this gentleman come up to me at our Lake Norman campus and he's part of our Bible study and he and I had gotten together and we were talking about some stuff and I was encouraging him with like an area of his life and, and challenging him to consider something and maybe making some changes. And this guy, like I adore this guy. I just, there are people for me that just being around them, they just have a, a simplicity of their life and their walk with the Lord and just really have a heart that they love God. And this is that guy, his name's Austin Smith. And I, I, I gosh, I love this guy. And so I tell him all this, and he's, he's appreciative in the moment. But when I see him at Bible study, men's Bible study that next Wednesday morning, he goes, hey, man, I was going to send you a text, but I, wanted, I knew I needed to tell you in person. And he just looked at me, and this is like a picture of sincerity. He just looked at me and said, I had to tell you in person because it meant so much to me what you said to me and the way you challenged me, and I appreciate you leading and like calling me higher, asking me to like move forward in my relationship with God. And it's, it's good because you can have those same conversations with people and they will sincerely kick you in your hind parts because they don't want to have nothing to do with it and they don't want to hear it. But it was the sincerity of his heart that when he spoke that to me, I knew that it really meant something to him. In this passage of scripture, there's an interesting verse 35 in that Luke 11 scripture. It says, see to it that the light within you is not darkness. It's a very interesting statement. See to it that the light within you is not darkness. Didn't you just say it was light in me? But I think this is where we deal with the motivation. What is our heart motivation? It's easy just to do stuff because we wanna get an accolade. I, I've struggled with this at work before where they're throwing out accolades. This was years ago. I used to struggle with it bad. They're throwing out accolades. and like, hey, great job on this. And I'm sitting there going, well, they wouldn't have done jack if I hadn't did what I did. Why aren't you saying something about what I did? Probably because you didn't see it. But why aren't you saying something? Do you know that I still have thoughts like that, but I don't allow them to linger any longer? So when I talk about this generous being generous and going beyond ourselves, make sure you don't lose track of the fact and the key words in there is that darkness wants to bind us to that. Meaning that we get so entrenched in it that there's nothing else to look beyond ourselves. Whereas the light 
wants us to see it, recognize it, know that it's a legit feeling, but doesn't want us to live there. It doesn't want us to live in, this is how I grew up and this is how it's going to be. It doesn't want us to live in, they hurt me like this and that person looks like they did or acts like they did and I'm not going to trust them anymore. We can't live on the, woe is me, this is all about me. We can have those moments, but God is saying, my light wants you to move through that so there can be healing and so you can become who I want you to be and so you can be more to other people than you will be just to yourself. What I love about this uh, passage of scripture and this motivation of the heart is it's always funny. Jesus does this teaching and then you have one of these religious leaders that comes up and they just never got it. And when you read after this passage of scripture in Luke 11, there's a Pharisee. It says, when Jesus got done talking, this Pharisee, this religious leader said, hey man, I want you to come to my house and eat with me. And Jesus does. And do you know that that Pharisee was appalled at Jesus? Do you know why he was mad with Jesus? He was mad because Jesus didn't wash his hands before he ate. How many of y'all are sticklers on washing your hands before you eat? It's okay. It's godly. Don't worry about it. Just raise your hand. He was mad at him. And so Jesus took a moment to teach them something about heart motivation. He said, it's funny to me, you Pharisees and religious leaders, Y'all are so concerned with the outside of the cup and the bowl, but on the inside, you are wicked and you are greedy. It's about a motivation of our heart. We can't just do good. We need to reflect and ask ourselves, is that light really light? Or is that light masking the darkness that is keeping me focused on myself? Is that thing I'm doing really for them? Or am I just unsure of who I am and the only way I know how to figure that out is to do something nice for someone else to prompt them to say something nice about me so I can actually feel good about myself? Or is it a true light that I am totally okay with who I am? I'm good with my mess-ups. I'm good with the gifts God has given me. And you know what? I'm going to extend beyond myself and I'm gonna show light, and I'm gonna be positive, and I'm gonna be generous to someone else. First John chapter two, verse nine through 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going, but because the darkness has blinded his eyes. When we started reading this passage in Luke, remember the first thing it talked about was a lamp? And what was the purpose of that lamp? That lamp was not for the person who owned the lamp. It was for the purpose of putting it on the stand so that someone else could benefit from that light. Do you know that God's desire to inject light into our lives is not just for ourselves? Actually, God's purpose for light is not only that it changes us, but that it actually impacts someone else. It's that choice we have every day at every moment to go, God, am I going to allow the pull of darkness to keep me bound to myself and my thoughts and my ways and my hurts and my pains and my, my being scared, my frustration? Am I going to allow the darkness to keep me bound? Or am I actually going to rest in God's light and begin to move beyond? my situation, move beyond my circumstance, move beyond 
that hurt and that pain. Yes, I'll look and I'll always see the scar. But I'll remember where God has taken me and where he's brought me from. And I'll realize the impact, the greater impact that has had on the people around me than if I just stayed honed in and focused and settled on just looking at myself and allowed the dark to cloud me. If you will, just close your eyes right where you're at. And I just want you to think for a minute. I just want you to get really just, just hone in on you right now because I want you to think, what is God saying to you? You know, the Bible says that our ways as human beings, they seem right to us sometimes, but they end up in destruction. Do you know how we keep our ways from ending up in destruction? Is that we actually have to invite the light of God. Jesus, I told you earlier, said that he was the light. And he said, anybody, all you have to do is choose to follow me. And you can walk in light. So if you're here today, and you don't have a relationship with God, I'm here to tell you that the light reveals way more that the darkness doesn't. If you want that relationship with God, it's simple. You just say, God, I need you in my life. And if that's you, I want you to respond to him by just raising your hand and saying, God, I give my life to you. You can lift it up, and as soon as you've lifted it, you can put it back down. Just say, God, I want my life to be with you. I see your hand, sir. Now, maybe you're here, and maybe as you've wrestled with light and dark in those areas of your life, the idea of being generous and moving beyond ourselves, sometimes we've fallen into the trap of focusing too much on ourselves. If you're here and you feel like God said something to you, as we talked about that today, and you want to look beyond yourself, I just want you to lift your hand up and say, God, thank you for speaking to me. I hear you, and I'm going to do better. I'm going to work on this. And you can put it back down once you've raised it. Now, if everyone will, stand up on your feet together. And as we stand, I want us to stand, and I want us to close in a prayer. I'm going to say a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. If you raise your hand, I definitely want you to say this loud. I'd like everybody to join in with this. So just repeat this prayer. Close your eyes and focus on the words of this. Repeat this after me. Say, God, I love you. And I thank you that in the midst of my dark, in the midst of my sin, you sent Jesus to be a light to change my life so that I could impact the lives of others. Today, I choose your light. Today, I choose generosity. Today, I don't stay bound to myself, but I look beyond myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all give those people a hand clap. Amen.